Okay, welcome to Chicago Creators. We are here today with Brian Swislow, musician, entrepreneur, marijuana advocate, and my good friend. And welcome, Brian. Welcome to Chicago Creators. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sure. A pleasure to have you. Hey, you are uh, originally, or you are from Humboldt County now, but we have you on Chicago Creators because you are originally from the Chicago area, correct? Yeah, born at Michael Reese Hospital on the south side, made my way to Skokie Niles and Buffalo Grove. Wow, very good. The migration trail, there it is. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but, uh, I want to talk about uh, music in Humboldt, obviously, and what you're doing now. But before we get into that, uh, you uh, started a brand, Fat Bowl is your brand. Tell us about that. What, how did Fat Bowl start, and, and what did it become, and what are you doing with it now? And, and tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, Fat Bowl, um, we started as a joke between me and a friend, an old roommate. He drew it up, and uh, you know, and, and I was like, you know, this would be a cool cool hat. You know, I always like to do something. You know what I mean? And I was like, uh, you know, this Fat Bowl look was really cool. And so, you know, we're like, let's create something. And it was kind of a joke, smoke a Fat Bowl, you know, but we spelled it differently so it didn't say weed because we're into music and education and kids and, uh-huh. you know, uplift, you know, right. um, and other other things. And, you know, we spelled it differently and the logo looked like it was something that, that would make sense. You know, and my dad was a silk screener, so I was like, you know, this would be really cool. Wow. And, uh, you know, so I, I uh, had a go and... and and there's a real hustle with it, um, but um, you know it takes a lot of integrity when you think about it now with legalization. But long before that, I was like, you know, one of these days this will be a thing. So it, 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 it you know, I started uh, giving all these shirts to the musicians and friends of mine. I was like, you know, let's just get everybody wearing this stuff. And I wasn't really sure. I just created this thing, and it was, you know, like I said, I. I uh, my buddy and I came up with it. He moved. I moved to LA. I asked permission to use it. He's like, "Go for it." And we and and now, um, now it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was this was just kind of an inside thing between you guys, or how were other people were involved in this, or how did how did it grow? Um, no, you know, it was just my buddy Mike Packard and I. Um, her roommates, he came up with the idea with me, and we were just making jokes about it. Right, it became a logo, and then. Uh, I started giving these shirts and hats to a few musician friends, and uh, three years into that, you know, it really wasn't much of anything other than I'm like, yeah, I'll try to sell them, but you know what? I think I just better just give them to my friends every time I had extra money. So, it, but all the friends I had were the musicians who I was playing with, so they were rocking my gear. And uh, Chris Noonan um, was like, "Hey, what's up with this Apple thing? This is really cool." And and I told him everything, and he was like, "I can get behind this." And so he's like, "I'll help you get it off the ground." So we went and saw a lawyer, and we trademarked the logo and we did all the work and by 2006 or so we were you know he's like how much you got and i had a certain amount and I, he had a certain amount he matched me and we bought a bunch of t-shirts and tried to try to get people wearing our stuff and tried to sponsoring artists because we're musicians who support musicians and that's what our logo became is artists supporting artists musicians supporting musicians and all of our designs at this point now now that we're a full-blown brand and clothing company uh, are based on the artists we work with so we're, we're, we're working with local artists to create the designs so if we're selling the merchandise now we're uplifting and creating a larger value for an artist a visual artist so now we can art community community together and it created the the our 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 thing which is music art clothing you know music art clothing and culture and now it's cannabis and culture because apple farms has become a thing um based on the brand 
And that's what now that's, you know, 14, 14 years of us just giving a lot of stuff away. And then, you know, in the back of my mind, I always dreamt that, you know, hey, you know, merchandising and music goes together. And if any of these groups take off, you know, or we can get this, this humble sound happening the way I see it or what I've learned from the elders before and whatnot, um, then, then we're going to have something to stand behind. And if we can get people wearing the gear and working with us, then they'll wrap the gear. So, you know, so as I would work with different musicians, I'd say, hey, listen, I don't want to cross over into the zone here, but I have this clothing company. I'd love for, to hook you up. And so I would give them a shirt, you know, and then next thing you know, the guy's wearing it on his Instagram and, you know, and 13,000 people saw it, you know. And so it's, it's yeah, it's this labor of love, you know, that came out of, just a fun idea to get my friends and I all hooked up with some hats and t-shirts that represented music that didn't say Humboldt because I'm not from here. You know, I wanted to leave that for my buddies. You know, that's like, I don't need to use the word Humboldt in my name. You know, I don't born here, you know, so, you know, I get that, you know what I mean? And this community is, is very special and strong based on the cannabis culture here. And, it's, uh, you know, it's an underground life. Right. And what drew, what drew you to Humboldt? Was it the cannabis culture or why did you, how did you end up in Humboldt? And how long have you been there? When, how long have you been doing the Fat Bull thing there? Um, I moved to Humboldt in 1997. Uh, I was in Los Angeles for a year before that. So I moved from Chicago to L.A. in 96. And then September 97, I moved to Humboldt. And uh, what really got me there was, um, I mean, you know, uh, a buddy of mine's aunt and uncle lived up there. They used to come down and bring weed and see their kids. And uh-huh. be down for us. And one day they're like, "What are you hippies doing here? Why aren't you up in Humboldt? There's a music scene. Like, you know, I could really use some help building a fence. Wow. You know, it wasn't school, weed, or anything. And I just remember my girl at the time looking at me, and she's like, "I'm going with it without you." And, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I said, "Well, give me give me like two weeks because a week later, I I you know into that time I had um." a showcase for A&M Records with a band I was playing with. No, so I was like, well, I can't really go anywhere. I'm doing this A&M showcase. I mean, I moved here to do music. That's the whole point. Right, you know, sure. I wasn't about to jump ship. And um, things went awry. The, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story. But the uh, the singer, I mean, the bass player didn't show up. So I'm doing left-hand bass. And, you know, and it's me and the drummer and the singer. And then the, they're like, we really love it. We're going to do something with it and then she's like i'm not giving you my lyrics started yelling at the guy and said told him no go scratch and then that was done and i looked at my girl and she was like <laughs> so you're ready now i'm like yeah i think i'm, <laughs> wow. I think I'm good for wow. a minute let's go to humble and was that the reason you went out to la to hook up with this project or that just happened to be the thing you hooked up once you got out there yeah no it was it was some friends i was working with but then um through um my neighbor became one of my very best friends blair shots is an amazing drummer, head of the drum department at Musicians Institute in Hollywood at this point, and is played with everyone you could imagine. Um, but uh, he and I got linked up with this woman um, along the way. So yeah, while we were living in this apartment building, this this woman showed up, and we both happened to be in the in the building, and we got into a conversation and, and joined her band. Mm-hmm. So it was very short lived, you know. It was great right. for a minute, but uh, but it, but it led to led to the opportunity where you met someone who who kind of guided you to the next step or, or introduced you to the idea of what the next step might be. Yeah, and so, then you ended then then you ended up in Humboldt, kind kind of kind of 
got you home in a way. It got me home for sure. I mean, you know that that uh, the experience was also short lived. Those people didn't it didn't really work out, and we, I just wanted to get the heck out of there as fast as possible. Uh-huh. And uh, right. my girlfriend at the time knew one person, one random person in home all of the area. I knew nobody, literally nobody. And uh-huh. uh, and she was like, I have a friend that will let us come spend the night so we can talk to them about our reality. We did that. We moved all our stuff out of there without them knowing. It was really strange, bizarre, mm-hmm. hood, uh, hoodwood situation. And we um, found ourselves in town, and I walked into town, and I saw um, a bagel shop, Los Bagels, and it was hiring. And I was like, geez, I've managed five-story nightclubs <laughs> in Chicago. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I got right. my job already. And I, sure enough, they called me uh, before I got back to the state place we were staying. So. Uh, that led me to humble, you know what I mean? And the, the girl the moved on, continues. but uh, three days in that job, I met the guy who was training me, happened to be the roommate of the guitar player who I ended up playing, which became the band in Humboldt for quite some time called Stank. <laughs> wow. The, the first thing I'll ask you about Humboldt is, uh, and excuse my ignorance of the geography, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, you might help inform a lot of them, the fires in the last couple of years. Is that close to you, or how, how close is that coming to you, or is that... You're, you're too far north for that, or no, what's going on with that? We're three hours north of Santa Rosa, um, so if that puts it in perspective. Um, okay, sure. Laytonville, Mendocino, Wavy Gravy's property, all that area, uh-huh. those are all the areas that are on fire. Um, wow. And that is about two hours south of where I live. We live uh-huh. on the coast. I'm in Arcata, so uh-huh. um, we're right on the bay. We don't get the we we don't get the fire, but we get all the smoke. We get everything. We get dark ash for days um, when wow. it happens. So everything really goes on hibernation mode. The, the you know, we it gets socked in on the coast. Think about it like there's or Southern Oregon on fire. There's there's two one hour hour east and further Redding. You get you know further into the Sierras, more fire to the east of us. South of us is Santa Rosa, wow. Mendocino, parts inland, um, Southern Humboldt. <clears throat> and we're up, you know, and we're just getting, you can just see it smoke coming from every angle. Uh, that's terrible. Tragic. I hope everyone's okay and everyone you know is okay, of course. So uh, uh, better things, the music the music scene in Humboldt you are heavily involved in, and specifically the hip-hop scene in Humboldt, uh, Object Heavy, your, your current project uh, is involved in. So just kind of give us an overview of maybe uh, what goes on with the clubs and the music in Humboldt, what the scene is like, the crowds. Do you have crowds, the bands? Are they tight-knit? Just give us an overview of, of what's going on out there. Yeah, I mean, from the time I moved here to now, it, it always shifts. You know, we're in a college town, so every few years you get a shift. People who leave for, for school finishing, you know, people who come here for a little bit. There's people who stay, and, you know, and the bands evolve. And similar to, like, the mm-hmm. dead scene, you know what I mean? Like, you guys are a tight mm-hmm, scene right. there. I should say we, you know. I know so, so many people that, you, that we all jam with, you know, that are like, oh, my God, you're part of the same scene. So it's like that here in that everyone's real, like, um, there's competition, but it's a, there's a camaraderie, you know, you have different genres, but because uh-huh. we're such a small area, you, everyone right. goes to the same shows. So someone will go to the reggae show, we'll go to the hip hop show, we'll go see Melvin, we'll go wow. see a jam band, wow. we'll see, you know, <laughs> you know, rock bands. And that is and a little, that's, so, that's a little different than Chicago you know, too, because Chicago, I mean, Chicago branches out into funk a little bit, the dead scene, but really in terms of like hip hop, there's a lot of people in Chicago that aren't 
accepting of hip hop in any way. They're very negative and down on it still, and, and only a small percentage that can appreciate it. Anything you can attribute? Why is there a hip hop scene in, in, in Humboldt, first of all? And why does a dead community or a music community, why is it more open to that in Humboldt than in Chicago, say? And that could just be my impression. That's just my personal uh, impression. So correct me if I'm wrong. Too. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you got it. Um, what it is, is um, here, I mean, as far as my world of, of hip hop started in 1999, I suppose, um, there were, I'm certain there were a few uh, rappers in the area. Um, there was, there were MCs that became the group Potluck. They were mm-hmm. DJs at one of the clubs, you know, and there were guys that were on the scene, but there was no real scene or movement for it, you know, in, when I moved up here, I was playing with an acid jazz, funk, Uh rare groove type of band, and the type of music we were playing was the kind of stuff that got sampled in the 90s and early 2000s that made all the great hip-hop from that era, and um, along the way, a couple of these rappers were like, man, you and your band, and my rappers from you know, Southern Humble in this whole medical 215, because you have to remember that um, Proposition 215, uh, medical marijuana was mm-hmm. passed in 1996. And so by 98, 99, there were people mm-hmm. screaming from the trees, you know, people about the plant, you know, let's not legalize the, the, the plant, let's legalize the people to have the plant, you know, and, and, you know, medical and let everyone have their smoke. And so these guys were like, hey, you know, we want to do this live band thing. And I was always a fan of like the brand new heavies in right. 1990 came out. A hip-hop album with live live band, The mm-hmm. Roots is another one. So it spawned this group called the Humble County Freestyle Kings. And it was a group of rappers with a live band. And we, uh, we blew up instantly. And everyone knew us in town. And it was all singing about the weed life in and, and Humble. And then there was a group called Potluck. And uh, they were they were two DJs and you know, I mean two uh, uh, MCs. Three. They had a group of them actually, and a singer, and it was a right. few MCs part of the group. So this spawned this movement, <clears throat> and um, Garth Cultivator came out of that. And then later there was you know when I moved away from Humble, all of the rappers I was working with, you know, especially there was Elysian, Mika Sun. These are all kids. Here's the thing: these were all kids from the hills. This okay. wasn't street wow. music. This was hill music. But it wasn't much different. It was, you know, because there was a lot of weed out here. And you know what? Mm-hmm. This was their lifestyle. And people were getting killed over mm-hmm. things out here the same way. People were coming up Bay or different areas going, hey, I'm going to buy 60 pounds. And then pop, 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 next thing you know. So it's like, you know, there's, it's, it's a real, there's some uh, synergy, if you will, in the, in the, in the reality of hip hop. Um, yet these guys are coming from a beautiful place. They don't have a lot of money. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're just thinking about what their lives are on the river and all that. And so it became this really positively charged hip hop movement. And um, I got to be part of it. And, and as I moved to LA, some of the younger rappers were calling me going, Hey, what am I supposed to do? What are you doing? Like, let's, are we going to make some songs? And so they started coming down to, down to LA where I was working. And we, I ended up making three or four albums with all the rappers that I worked with that were in Humboldt, but while I was living wow. in L.A. for a few years, like I had moved to L.A. from 2002 to 2005, but hip-hop was, was had spawned right. and was thriving. And so when I moved back up by 2005, the MCs I was working with were like, we have to bring the right. got to get the band, you know? And I was always was like, the band I was playing with, that was the, the, the you know, one of the well-known bands in town, would back the rappers. So it was <laughs> Spank and the Kings, right, back in the day. And it became subliminal sabotage with the second generation of mm-hmm. Southern humble rappers. 
And but I was really tight with Eli Fowler, the Beryl Alexander. There's a group of me. Of, of MCs that I became really close with and they were like, and I was playing with a band called Nucleus. And so I said, Hey, Nucleus, I need a favor. These guys need a band and I'm their band. So I need you guys to be the wow. band with me. <laughs> so we did it and we continued the movement of humble, of our Southern humble style hip hop, even though mm-hmm. the band lived in Northern humble, but it's a thing. So yeah, so it's it's and there's a ton of, now there's a whole group of, there's three or four different styles of hip hop up here. Now that that um, I mean, it's a solid wow. movement, and there's a that'd sound. Be, that'd be really cool if you could take that model and bring it to Chicago in any way. I know you you spend a lot of most of your time there and very little of your time here, but if somehow that you know you could integrate a hip hop scene or whatever's going on in Chicago and bring it more into uh, the that funk scene and, and and combine it here, that'd be really cool. It's amazing that you did it out there. I mean, congratulations to you. It's cool that you were a part of that and, and got in on the. Uh, yeah, I got. I got I got lucky. I met these guys and they were like, "Hey man, you know, we'd love uh-huh. to have you be part of this." And I ended up leading the band. It was like, you know, we became tight. And now, many years later, I mean, it's led to you know lifelong friendships. And those long, lifelong friendships are people who are like literally growing the best weed on the planet. They're like winning the awards. They, you know, <clears throat> my my friends down south. I mean, they've won nine out of the twenty awards at the Emerald uh-huh. Cup for wow. sun-grown okay. cannabis. These are all people that I'm like, I'm cool with. Like, they just know me. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. It's cool that you give them credit that you say, oh, they came to me to ask me what are we doing. But at the same time, you had to do the work to make them aware of who you were, too. So it's, you know, it's cool that that you guys came together that way. Yeah, the rappers would show up to watch my punk band, you know, and then they would say, oh, let me up and on stage and release that microphone. Like, yeah, no problem. You know what I mean? That's how it started. And I was like, um, and I love hip hop. So we started doing after parties and just backing up whatever MCs wanted to come through. And I started a thing called the Hip Hop Lounge, which now is a band. It's called the Mystery Lounge, which backs rappers. Uh-huh. That's what right. we do. You know what I mean? We, I'll get your record, play your music for you the way you wrote it and right. and back you. And, uh, so we become a band on that level. And as far as Chicago goes and the weed, uh, we're working on a cannabis project in Chicago, and the idea is that Fatpole will have a, a clothing store with the accessories for cannabis and other things, along with um, uh-huh, potential sure. products. Uh, is that in, in the? So that would that would allow it. Is it happening yet, or where are we at with that? Um, it's, a, it's a mission. I mean, as you know, in Chicago, they haven't. We're part of a of a social equity application, and those are uh, they're having a real mm-hmm. hard time pushing those through, and. Uh, we're looking forward for them to make that happen and, and if we can get to that finish line then we will be we will have licenses in chicago oh, okay. to wow. grow yeah. and just cannabis so we are um <clears throat> i mean we're as soon as they award uh permits and you know we get a call yay or nay then we're going to uh-huh. know what we're doing in illinois and if it doesn't happen there then there's other states that we're also working on um Fapple is just becoming um, a national brand it just hasn't Yet, um, we're just we have a facility um, for our cannabis project in, in okay. um, here in Humboldt that will include you know nursery processing, right. all kinds of stuff. Um, so yeah, we're we're the Fapple name is 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 doing a lot uh-huh. more than I thought. Well, it'd be it cool. Was. It'd that's be cool if you could bring it to Chicago. I mean, that's several different worlds colliding with the music and the marijuana and the hip hop and the and the funk and. Uh, the dead and then the west coast and chicago those are a lot of worlds colliding so if you could sprinkle some of that on chicago i, I mean what you do in chicago is so different i met i met you in chicago 
playing at the Kinetic Playground 15 years ago, maybe. I was playing a right. Terrapin Flyer at the time. You, you came in and played double keyboards yeah. with Terrapin Flyer, and I was just blown away by what you did at the time. And then you've played you've played in Northwest like Corner, what? my band, since then, but you play with a lot of other people in Chicago, too. Can you tell us, uh, you know, drop some names and tell us who else you play with in, in Chicago? Um, you know, I mean, uh, to, to drop some names, I've, I've had a few solid sit-ins with, uh, with the Blotto boys, and that has been extremely exciting. Um, we go way back in a very peculiar way. Um, I met them long before I moved, moved to, uh, to, yeah. to moved away. So to connect with them way later was really cool. Um, um, then there's, you know, there's Kevin Campbell. Um, I played with him in multiple different, okay, you know, right. alpaca smokes and like that. And, um, you know, and, and coming up, I was with the group Conjolka. Um, you know, so there was Mark and Marty Conjolka, and then, you know, obviously there's Randy, who you, who's a yeah. player for Northwest Corner. Um, and then there's the Ravinia Ramblers, you know, with Vicky was part right. of Conjolka as well. And so I, I always knew who Berger was, you know, and we, you know, and he was a part of Cornmeal. And, and so, um, yeah, those are, that's a lot of who, and, you know, and I, I played, uh, I did a, a Terrapin Flyer gig um, a few New Year's Eves ago, which was cool, uh-huh. at the Emporium, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I guess, yeah, and I guess that rounds it, rounds it out, I guess, you know, I've been tight with the uh, Chicago Afrobeat Project that stayed at my house a couple okay. times when they come to Humboldt. <laughs> And you mentioned Kevin Campbell. Was he? You did a Frank Zappa project with some of the players from Frank Zappa's band. Was Kevin in that with you, or who played in the Frank Zappa project with you? Kevin was not in that band. Um, the Chicago players for that were okay. Mark and Marty Conjolka, right. specific. But then on one of the three nights, I had the uh, horn section from Chicago Afrobeat project. You had Xavier on trombone, Garrick Smith on baritone, um, and then Paris Fleming, who was part of. Uh, the herd and is uh-huh. now part of the motet right um, was on trumpet and then i had chris noonan my business partner for for um christopher boa he's from the fat bowl team was playing um tenor and mark conjolka on sax so we had some local guys and then then there was tom fowler from mothers of invention and ray charles on bass it was ike willis wow. and ray white on guitar it was uh, ed man you know vibes um and uh, Bobby Martin. And you were playing all Frank Zappa material, or what type of material you were playing? Uh, we're called Royster, and uh, the leader of that group is Marcus Messina, and he put the whole thing together. He was managing Ray White's project, or one of the one of the Zappa projects, and they got to talking, and um, Ray and Tom and myself and Marcus started writing music together, and uh, they reeled in the, the other guys. Um, yeah, it was uh, Ike Willis, Ray White, Tom Fowler, um, Bobby Martin, and Ed Mann. And then Marcus, uh, Marcus Messina was the guy who put it together. He's a good friend of mine and guitar player. And uh, that was the uh, Royster and the wow. Zappa That's jam down that happened. And then I have... Uh... Uh, I have a little music I want to play of another project you did, if that's okay. But first, let me ask you really quickly. You originally, you you play a lot of keyboards now, but you originally started on drums. So what was the switch to drums and keyboards, and how does that affect you? Do you still play drums? What's what's going on with the the multi-instrumental aspect of you? Um, You know, drumming um, was definitely born into me, you know, as you know, as as music happens for us, from drumming in the house. So I was always 
playing whatever was on the radio or the TV, uh-huh. which blew my parents away, and I didn't really even okay, know that right, I was doing sure. that at, at first. And, uh, <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, I started drumming in, in school and taking piano lessons at the same time. So fifth or eighth grade, I was doing drumming and, and piano, and by eighth grade, I didn't really want to take piano lessons anymore. I was going uh-huh. to high school and wanted to drum. And uh, I, you know, was playing in a couple bands, and I was having some fun with it. And then I got into um, playing keyboards with my friends. With Randy was part of this. It was uh, it was our buddies from Lake Forest, and we just had this tripper band, and we would just go play our own thing, you know. <laughs> that, and we just had our own. Was that Frozen Banana? Jazz, what, was, what was the name of that? Free Fat Banana. It was uh, Fat Banana with Tony D. Maria's band. I had never that group, but. Uh, but yeah, we were just um, we were just called the After Hours Band, and we would all you know I was a bartender, so we would play from nice. like one in the morning to seven, right. tripping or doing whatever. <laughs> and uh, and um, so you know, and then I got this um, invite to play with a, a band playing drums. I'm like, man, I haven't really played drums in a couple of years. And I my roommate um, talked me into it. I was like, yeah, I'll go to the audition. Screw it. So I went and had this audition, and they accepted me in the band. I'm like, wow, I'm so rusty. So I was in this band called Sibley Shows, rock band, and we played at the Lincoln mm-hmm. Tap Room all the time. We recorded with Jeff Molesky, okay. Smashing Pumpkins guy. And in the early 90s, that was the thing. We sounded okay. a little bit like live. Um, but then, you know, I met um, Randy says, hey, I met these guys, and uh, uh-huh. Eric Smith. And he's this guitar player, and they live in Buffalo Grove, and they want to play dead music. And I told him to get out of Oregon. I show up. Me and Randy uh-huh. show up to Eric Smith's house, uh, and that's where um, I was on the drums. And then at the, when it was happening, there was Mark and Marty okay. Conjolka walk in the room, and they're both vibing me. And I don't think they meant to vibe me, but I was on the drums. And they were like, Marty's the drummer. What are you doing? And I was like, oh, don't worry about me. I'm the keyboardist. And they were like, oh. Oh, okay, cool. I'm like, yeah, I got an organ and a Leslie. And there was suddenly I was the coolest guy in the room. Like, oh, really? Okay. So I was kind of being a little facetious because, right. you know, those are the boys. But um, yeah, then Conjolka nice. was born out of that and uh, the Grateful Dead cover band. And I never really looked back from drumming since then. Um, but I always, I still play drums when I can. Whenever I see a drum set, I get on it. I'm, 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 I'm still pretty good. Um, but I've been, I've made so many hip hop beats that I'm wow, always right. making drums. I'm always, comp- I don't sample at all. I just make everything and write everything myself. So I nice. get my drums. And as long as you mention Eric and, and you're talking about Kanjoka, I'll mention a real quick story too. Uh, when I f- first met Eric Smith, probably in maybe 2005, and we were playing Interpret Flyer, and then I walked into his place and I saw on his wall a flyer for Kanjolka, which was a name oh, a name I would never forget, mm-hmm. uh, because back in the of course uh, back in the 90s hey. at the Wrigley side, my band at the time I think it was O Squared or maybe the Stoolies, whoever it was, we played a we played a double bill with oh. this band with this awesome saxophone player called a name I'd never forget called Kanjolka. Which I'd never heard of again since. Flash forward 10, 15 years later, I meet Eric. There's this flyer up in his room, and he's like, What on earth would you know about Kinjolka? Who are they? You know? And he goes, Kinjolka was my band. And we were, and I was like, Oh my God. And so, 
Yeah. No, you were in O squared. Yeah. That was definitely it. Thousand percent. I'm yeah, certain we smoked them all together. Uh-huh. Now that you said that, I didn't know why I didn't put that together. I always wondered how we crossed paths right. before we knew each other. Because I knew you were on the scene the whole right. time. Like, you know Kerry Cohn? In like, some way. Yeah, I don't know yeah, why, yeah, but it's O it. squared. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna press this button and play some <laughs> music, uh, and and hopefully that'll lead us into our next topic, talking about uh, about some of the things you do. So let's see if this technology works. So I'll press this button. And we'll hope for the best. Can we get a hand for Object Heavy, by the way? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, good gravy. And Mr. DJ Logic right there. So uh, we're going to do a, a Blues Traveler song, and uh, I've never played with these guys live before, so uh, this will be fun. And it goes a little something just like this. All right, I realize I better cut that out before before there's a copyright infringement. That's not Object Heavy's music that I've asked permission to play. So t- so obviously you're playing with John Popper from Blues Traveler, so tell, tell us a little bit about how that happened and, and what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I smile, still smile when I hear that. I'm like, I can't even believe I'm like this guy. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so this came about, um, up here in, in Humboldt, there's a, um, a festival called the Summer Arts and Music Festival, and um, it's a really great thing. There's tons of local bands. It's a whole thing. And there's always a handful of, of um, pretty large headliners. Over the years, the bands I've played with have, have risen to the top of the top of the game in uh you know in the local scene or at least you know i say that sounds a little silly but we've been able to play some of the headlining spots and open uh-huh. for some of the bigger names and uh because of that um you know the heads of the festival were like hey who are you guys rocking with right now and i you know and and we were thinking about it and i was like you know dj logic and i are super tight you know he's, he's friends with a handful of us up here and um, we go back away a long way and he had made a joke mentioned one time when we were touring together and he was like, yeah, man, yeah, but we always just do a show with Popper because DJ Logic was part okay. of the John Popper right. project, the project, Project Logic and uh, singer okay. of Living Color. Um, and so he made a joke about it and I hit him up and said, what do you think? He said, here, call call the manager. So we called and anyway, long story short, <laughs> Popper said he's down. The That's logic great. says he's into it. Um, I'll be there. So we worked it out. They showed up. There we spent the day in the studio. He ended up playing his harp on our on our uh, on an EP we put out a couple years ago, and um, and then he did the show with us with no rehearsal, and we played a handful of uh, his songs. And he said, he said, listen, this isn't Blues Traveler. This is John Popper and so Object dear. Heavy. So <laughs> nice. send me some of your nice. stuff. You know what I mean? So we played a full set of some of Uh his music and some of ours, and he rocked over all of our stuff and sang choruses with us. And And I'll mention that's up on YouTube. That's where I got that from YouTube. So if anyone's interested in listening to that, just search John Popper, Object Heavy, DJ Logic, and you'll find it as easily as I did. Hey, I I owe you an apology because I promised you we were not just going to play you playing with John Popper, that we'd play some of your music too. But unfortunately, I noticed that I'm losing battery power here. 
and we have a, we have a ton more to talk about All too. Right. I want to talk about uh, writing, what you do for writing. I, I want to talk about your recording. I want to talk more about marijuana. I want to talk more about what's next for you. And so, would you do me a favor, and we'll do part two of this sometime in the near future, and we'll consider this part one. Is that okay? I think that's great. Um, one thing I'll mention on the John Popper tip: um, that band uh-huh. that you saw, um, I am the only one in that band currently. Object Heavy has okay. made a huge evolution, and we are excited about our new album that's produced by Kelly Finnegan of Monophonics and Kelly Finnegan of the Atonements, amazing producer. We're putting out some 73 Cadillacs. Is that out yet? Love or? and Gravity. And uh, it is not available yet. We Our masters showed up, and now we have to get on the uh, project of uh, the next task, which is securing how we're going to release it since right? we can't And so tell us where, when, when yep. and where we'll be able to find that real quickly before we go. Um, we, we are going to release a single or two over the next few months. Um, there's still a lot of work to do. So this year by midsummer, we're hoping to have the entire record out and it will be available on vinyl as well. The single object heavy.com. You have a website or, uh, object heavy band. I think it is, you know, it's objectheavy.com. I would be surprised if the website is down. We'll find our Facebook and our Instagram. We're in, we're rebranding right. completely where we have like taken a whole different, it's not a different direction. We've just solidified our, our space and what our plan is. So, you know, we took the website down and we just don't want to misrepresent what we're doing. It's really exciting. Like I'm going to share this. I, I get that feeling. And Brian, I'm sure I speak for many people like, when I say I cannot wait to hear it. And thank you so much for being here. It's been a true pleasure and I can't wait to do more of it and hear more about what you're up to and really appreciate you being on Chicago Creators. Same here, Carrie. All right, so that's it for this version of Chicago Creators. Uh, I'm Carrie Cohen, your host, and we will see you next time. Thanks so much for being here.